Hey Blockheads, this is DM Mitch with the Dungeon Master's Block. This episode you're about to hear is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering you a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Today's audiobook recommendation is Elminster, The Making of a Mage by Ed Greenwood. Elminster is one of the most legendary heroes of the Forgotten Realms. If you've never heard his story, this is the book to start with. And good news, if you like this book, there's many, many more Elminster books to come. Go to audibletrial.com slash DMB today for your free audiobook and trial. Once again, help support us at the block by going to audibletrial.com slash DMB for a free audiobook. Thank you. And now, here's the show. Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the ego of all of the people at the table. I am one of your hosts, DM Neil, aka Joke Maniac. And I'm Dungeon Master Mitch. And today, you already know what we're going to be talking about. We told you last time, today is going to be top fives because we have four people on the episode and top ten would have taken way too long, but... I am super excited. <laughs> there were many laughs. There were probably tears. There were so much laughing. But before we blow your minds, we have some iTunes reviews. Our first review comes from Zane C. Weber and is entitled Constant Inspiration, five stars. This is actually a cure for Dungeon Master's Block. You got it. You got the name of the show. Congrats. Awesome. Yay. <laughs> Almost every episode gives me a fun touch to add into my own game. 100% recommend thank you so much zane c weber and i'm glad that you totally understood what we were going for in that name yep so for the next review it comes from margaret written in leet so i believe i have interpreted your username correctly and the review is entitled love this show so much awesome information flows out of this podcast if you want to dm or want to think about dming or want to hear the secrets your dm has been keeping from you this is the place for you role playing couldn't get any Mastery-er. Nice. Thank you, Margaret, for that awesome review. Yes, thank you so much. And our next one is from Maravion, and it is titled Great Resource 5 Stars. This is a great resource for new and old DMs. The amount of things that they cover is amazing. Everything from world building to the visuals of spells. Thank you so much, Maravion, for that review. Yes, thank you. But with that, there's only one thing we can do from here. Let's head to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? The flat meat back on the menu, boys. We're back. And I'm here, which makes it maybe better. We're about to see. But we're going to do the thing that I think you as the listeners have told us time and again that you love the most. And we're going to do our top fives because instead of three of us or two of us, we have four people, Mm. which 
I'm going to be very excited if there's like a bunch of crossover, um, <laughs> like the zeitgeist has dictated what we will be talking about, but we're all here. Do we want to go around and introduce ourselves quickly? Introduce yourself, Neil. It's me, DM Neil, aka Joke Maniac. And I'm Dungeon Master Mitch. This is Matt Keel from Detentions and Dragons. This is Josh Reistead, also from Detentions and Dragons. Yes. And like I said, we're here. We're going to do top fives. Top fives. Josh, let's go straight to you for your number five and hit me. What do you got? Sounds good. For a story hook idea, I came up with this one where you're at your house, you receive a package in the post. It's from your Aunt Minerva, your Auntie Minerva. When you open it, it sucks you into a strange portal. It just basically sucks Hmm. you in and you wake up in the middle of a room. You look out the window, and you are not on the same plane anymore. In fact, you don't even recognize this plane. Oh, man. Boom. There it goes. Did you get sucked into an airplane? Technically, you would be getting sucked out of an airplane, but... (laughs) I see this as the most ridiculous character backstory ever. (laughs) Oh, just wait, Mitch. Just wait. (laughs) We haven't got to my what yet. (laughs) Like, just have this be a character background and like you're from another world classic Aunt Minerva sent me into this play it out the whole campaign and just have the DM like be on the same page of you is this real is your character insane like what's going on here with your character and the rest of the party is like this guy's crazy he Aunt Minerva is this person even real Letter sucked him into our world. Get real. Can I just put Josh on blast and say, I think he just took the plot line from that 90s cartoon show, what, Captain N and the Game Masters, where the kid plays <laughs> Nintendo and gets Shh. sucked into it. Shh, don't, don't reveal Shh. trade secrets, Matt. <laughs> Cap, what are you doing? Aunt Minerva gave that kid in that Letterman's jacket a Nintendo, and now he's in a oh, TV boy. world. Oh, boy. <laughs> that Perfect. is a deep cut, Matt. Captain N. <laughs> I love that show, so don't worry about it. Netflix, are you listening? It's like you guys are playing Geek Wars. Yeah, but doing better. <laughs> I love that idea because mechanically you could also make it work. Like if what if you know and you have the player's guide to Ravnica come out? What if one of your players wanted to do like a background or some stuff from there? You could easily have this be like the RP reason why they might have feats or items or things from a different mm-hmm. world and still I also love the idea that they're just insane, though. Like, <laughs> if you find out later, no, no, they're just a broken person. That's awesome. All right. So, Matt, what do you have for number five? All right. So, imagine this you meet in a tavern. Ooh, original Matt. Oh, gosh. And that's it? <laughs> yep. And then you're talking to maybe an old man in the hood, and the old man is telling you, like, Oh, I hear your adventurers. Perhaps you would be interested in an adventure. But then something just busts through the wall. Maybe it's a bunch of dinosaurs. Maybe it's a Tarrasque. And then Kool-Aid. the whole first encounter yeah. is called oh, yeah. Cheese. It's the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> but now he's filled with poison and evil. But the whole idea is a chase. It's all about running away and trying to survive as you're being chased 
by some sort of malevolent being. You're basically thinking, all right, we're all starting at level one. Boom. Wall is destroyed. There's a Tarrasque facing down your level one characters. Get out of there. It is completely get out of town. I, I love it. I love chase scenes. It, it's so fun mechanically. Yeah. Challenge skills right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. It's maybe not a good beginner encounter for like new players, but if you've played D&D before and you're looking to spice things up, why not just start off dramatic with like a huge epic chase scene? Matt, are there fruit carts? Are there like so many fruit carts that you have to like jump over or bust through? Well, the DC to slide underneath a fruit cart is 10 and <laughs> a 15 for acro- acrobatics to jump over it. So yes, of course there are fruit carts. <laughs> Falling debris, Amazing. being thrown by the giant kaiju behind you. Yeah, all different types of skill challenges you can throw in for right off the bat, you're thrown into danger in the beginning and of the campaign. And moral decisions. There's like a little child. Ooh, yeah. They trip and they're on the cobblestone. Do you do you pick them up? Do you risk your own defeat? Or do you just let them serve as a sacrificial victim to this kaiju? Right off the bat, Matt's Matt's making us like decide upon alignment. Do we follow our alignment or, or <laughs> what? How well are you going to play uh, into this RP world of your moral compass? Now, Neil, what do you have on deck? Can you beat that? Boom! I cannot. Um, <laughs> so, I give up. <laughs> so for my. So for my number five, I titled it. I don't know why I feel compelled to title them. Oh, like that's I, a necessary I do as thing. well. It a hundred percent is not. But so I have it called "Devils Down on Their Luck," where the PCs have already defeated some sort of devil, and they're who knows in a dungeon somewhere else, and that same devil runs up to them. Number one, of course, they're going to try and kill it, but it essentially admits defeat and like just cowers before them and is asking for their help. And so the moral dilemma that I kind of want to throw in that scenario is that the devil, even because they're lawful evil, I thought about going demon, but that's too chaotic potentially. The devil presents the scenario that there's an overzealous party that are killing too many devils. And the balance of existence is essentially in flux because there's not going to be any lawful devils to kind of, like I said, create that proper balance. So then what do the PCs do? Do you help evil to fight good? Or do you help evil to fight evil? That's... I like that. I really do. Even just uh, throwing the devil into the scenario is... There's something about the fact that devils are lawful evil and have such a strong... Like, they, they create contracts, they make deals, and they will follow them. But at the same time, even with that as PCs, you know you're still dealing with an lawful evil devil that if they can get the upper hand, they want that upper hand. Uh, but yeah, it moral conundrum right off the bat. Is there at least a fiddle contest? Ooh. There is, at the end of it all. I, I think if somehow that got worked in there, that would just tie it in a nice, neat little bow for me. Down in the country of Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, chicken and bread pants kicking out dough. I love that. That's great. Is there a demon chicken in Dungeons and Dragons? Like, 
There is, is now. <laughs> okay, there you go. This is a wonderful segue into my number five. Speaking of Devil Went Down to Georgia, because my number five, Josh, you're not the only one who just completely went, uh, I'm going to steal something from uh, from media. Blues Brothers 3000 is the title of <laughs> my number five. Uh, so here we go. Keeping in true Dia Mitch uh, fashion, the bottom one's always going to be the most ridiculous. Here's my idea. It's a campaign about getting the band back together. This, in my opinion, is best suited for a small group, whether you're going one player to three players, I would imagine tops. The reason for that is that you're going to be adding all these NPCs that are going to be traveling around with your group. And I'm not going to say whether they're DMPCs. I know there's a lot of hate for that or just NPCs. Just keep them worthless NPCs. They're only good at playing, only good at playing instruments. But fill this group with all bards and they have to travel around in this campaign. Reunited their old band members for one last reunion show and with each band member it's a new side quest of how you have to get them back in maybe this one band member has been captured by an ogre for the past six years and just all bards all nonsense blues brothers 3000 bring it illinois and theorem i hate <laughs> illinois and theorem yes. <laughs> Just be yeah. Just be as meta as you want with this game. Oh, it's great. I mean, I feel like we just we just need to leave that and let it soak in each in each and every mind. Uh huh. I, so let's just jump to four. Josh, what do you have for okay. number four? Okay, I can't. Being, I can't. Yeah. Being that we're we're kind of uh, we might not have crossover, but we're definitely working on the same theme because my next one. Let's see if you can guess the movie theme. You got a wagon. You take your wagon out for a, for a trip. You're coming back. You're coming back from an adventure, you and your party. And you park it outside a tavern, and you go in for the evening. And either the soup was poisoned or somehow the pickle eggs went bad. But you wake up the next morning, and you're in the middle of the courtyard. The gnome is up on top of the statue, just like zonked somebody's somebody's like the elf is is in the in in the fountain just kind of floating there luckily you have no memory from the night before and your wagon is gone the whole mission is trying to find where your wagon and all your stuff is dude where's my car dude where's my wagon <laughs> ah dude where's my wagon <laughs> and That's and so you good. go you go through it you're like investigation rolls perception checks maybe there's some some people working against you maybe you had something valuable that somebody wanted uh you know that somebody wanted that and the, the wagon's just collateral but like you this is this is your wagon man like you you need this you know it's your i mean it might be your only possession or maybe your your grain aunt minerva gave it to you uh it's uh, the the you know your inheritance you know but uh you got to get it back let's just call it a cart because then all we need to do a is cart. add one more letter to that title and it's amazing <laughs> Dude, where's my Dude, cart? Dude, where's my cart? <laughs> Amazing. What's mine say? Dude! <laughs> What's mine say? Dude! Sweet. Oh, man. Yeah, so that that's that's mine. Uh, pretty simple. Uh, little little fun run around. So what you got there, Matt? 
Sorry, I was just thinking about White Castle and how that was a different movie. <laughs> I thought we were going to go with Hangover, and that was also a different movie. Okay, so my fourth top five is, I think it's it's pretty normal-ish, I would, I would suppose. It is called Treasure Hunting Society, and the idea is that your group has been hired by a treasure hunting company, and you're essentially hired to go on these different expeditions to find different treasure in different locations. However, the reason why this treasure hunting society exists is because the owner owns a well of many worlds. So it's not just treasure hunting in your plane of existence. It's treasure hunting in all the planes of existence. So I think that gives you like a cool narrative opportunity to suddenly be like, all right, well, normally you're in... Uh, Forgotten Realms, but now maybe you're in Eberron, or maybe now you're in Dune, or something like that. So you can really just switch up the locale to kind of fit whatever needs or flavor that you want to have uh, during that story arc. The spice flows. I like that. I also like the idea of um, setting it inside of Sigil. I mean, that's another option. I mean, it's not as funny as like random towns guy is like, yeah, I need you to do the do these treasure hunts. Also, just jump in my well. It will be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I have a, this this pit in an alley that I just need you to jump in. That's fantastic. I mean, you could just have so much fun with what are the different dungeons looking like in different planes of existence that you're traveling every single one can be so different and then what are the treasures that you're bringing in from different worlds like each of them could have numerous strange stats based off of the strange worlds that they are taken from and maybe some of them when you bring them back aren't even that great because they don't work well when taken out of that plane of existence or maybe they they work adversely like mm-hmm. all of a sudden they they start sparking you go you use like a decanter of endless water and like fire just lava just pours out of it i thought it was i thought it was water <laughs> i swear that's awesome so mine actually ties in pretty well to almost be a quest for these treasure hunters and i titled it raiders of the lost something or other and <laughs> essentially there's a ta- there's a town that's like besieged by pirates, barbarians, marauding people of some sort, whatever fits best for your world and your story. But normally these people would ransack, you know, burn the whole place down, steal everything. They come, they do virtually no damage and they leave. So the only logical conclusion that people can have based on this is that they hid something. And so then you have all the potentially all these groups of adventurers, maybe just your group of PCs find out about this event and go start like kind of figuring out where were they? What did they do? And then maybe finding some sort of treasure that they left pirates. Maybe they left a treasure map. Who knows? But essentially this unexpected event happens and draws your PCs into that town. That sounds really cool. I like it. I mean, especially if you like running like a mystery, I mean, Again, a lot of investigation roles, a lot of perception checks. You're talking with NPCs. You're you're trying to you're doing an exploring module. No, I I love that. And I think the mystery is sort of one of the hardest types of campaigns or yeah. just story arcs to Agreed. do. But when you do it, it's so, so awesome well. and so fulfilling. When you have that aha moment, it's like, oh, that's what it's all about. So if you could do it right. 
That's super stellar. Yeah, I think it maybe takes the most amount of prep to do it right. But yeah, when you pull it off, it's fantastic. Speaking of fantastic, Mitch, what's your number four? Number four is entitled Grandpa's Back! Exclamation point. The PCs come across a town where the dead have mysteriously been raised. Uh, But the situation is, quote, under control, unquote. So the townspeople have leashed and contained these zombies, but they believe that their rising is a blessing. Their family members are awake again, and they celebrate their, quote, rebirth, unquote. Each household takes care of their undead relatives and loves them like they did in life. So your PCs come across this town. How do you react to this? What do you do to just go about like, I guess this is how they live. Okay. I I, I would be like, so you, you wander in this town and all of a sudden you see just zombies shambling around. You're going to have that NP, that player who just starts just wailing on a oh, zombie. Yeah. And then you have, you know, like a kid come up, don't hurt my grandpa, you know, and, and then they have to explain this. Like, you're like, oh, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry? Yeah, you see a zombie walking around in a fenced-in area, and you jump in to attack it, but it's... Grandpa was just having a walk. Leave him alone. (laughs) I would say I'm just happy that this adventure isn't set on some grandpa's back. (laughs) I was going to say the same thing. I was like, oh, this could go one of two ways. Awesome. So, Josh, that takes us to your number three. Okay, my number three. Being that I just finished up a campaign from uh, Out of the Abyss, and I loved it. I love the Great Escape kind of events and, and mo- uh, I guess, motif or module. I came up with one. It's called Shanghai. And basically, you wake up in a barrel, you and your party. You're all in different barrels. Your hands are bound. There's a hood over your head. And, and you're rocking to waves. You, you can tell that much. You hear waves. And that's how it starts off. And, and if party members can free themselves, they find out that they've been shanghaied. They're on a boat or a ship taken by mercenaries, mercs, you know, however you want to run it. But they basically need to try to take control of the ship and then figure out where in the world they are. And either then they come to the, the decision, do we go back or do we become pirates? You know, whenever I get kidnapped, I always think, well, do I go back home or do I <laughs> assume the profession of the people who kidnapped me? So I'm really hoping that I get kidnapped by an astronaut because I want to be an astronaut. <laughs> Stockholm Syndrome in space. <laughs> my, that's my number four. I changed mine. I changed mine. <laughs> well, <laughs> since we're on the topic, what is your number three? My number three is Stockholm Syndrome in Space. (laughs) It is an idea that I planned yesterday, of course. No, my number three is just called Curse, which is essentially uh, your party maybe has resided in a town for their whole life, but there is a curse that afflicts all the people of this town. And kind of similar to the idea of hey, everybody's back from the dead. This is something that just people tend to deal with and they just have kind of come to accept that is a natural consequence of their life. But my idea would be, well, as a PC, you're thinking, no, I don't want to 
you know, for example, uh, just, you know, dissolve into a puddle of like gelatinous goo when I'm like 35 or something. So it's all about trying to find the person who caused this curse on this town and trying to break it. I like it. This is a, I, this I think would be a fun module to run. Speaking of fun modules to run, for my number three, I have The Sky is Falling. That doesn't and... sound fun. That sounds scary. <laughs> you don't know what's in the sky. It could run, be fun. Take a little run. It's not, though. It's, it's not at all. Uh, so my thought would also be to kind of plant the seed earlier on as some large astrological event that everyone's kind of fascinated by and they see all these stars falling and it seems all wonderful and kids are going out into open fields and seeing these things but then your PCs hear news from the neighboring country that there was something in those stars be it elementals be it some sort of alien creatures the other thing I thought was what if those things that were falling or some sort of race running from something worse. Ooh, cool. Ooh. So it could also be like the, it could be Gith running from Illithid. It could be Illithid running from Gith. Uh, they, they're best of friends. And, <laughs> or anything like that, like the precursor to something larger. And then your PC is trying to figure out what can we do to be prepared for what's next. Oh, I like the twist. I, I like that. You know, you're like, especially if the, if the original thing that came from it, say like an asteroid, they're fighting to get away or they're fighting to kind of, you know, you, you have a hostile interaction with them and you're like, okay, these are the bad guys. These are the bad guys. And then you find out, oh no, <laughs> there's something else. And it's worse. I mean, that is just, that is excellent storytelling right there. And I, These are I, the only kind of bad guys. Yeah, when you said the word larger, something larger is coming, I was already thinking like, oh yeah, or maybe if, what if it was like stone giants or something and then you said larger and I was like, larger than stone giants? Like, what is this thing that's coming for like, it's gotta, if you're like a, a human and a stone giant is freaking out because something larger is coming, you're going mm -hmm. to be hoping that you had your brown pants on because it's scary. <laughs> yeah, what are those creatures from Magic the Gathering that are all like 12-12 and have a Nile? Yeah, Eldrazi, uh, yep. Yeah, the Eldrazi, yep. where it's yep. just like an unworldly type of beast and they just bring a type of destruction that no one has like ever imagined or experienced before. Yeah, we're getting very into like Cthulhu territory of like the unstoppable yeah. is coming. And you could also use the this as a way to introduce a new race into your world, potentially. Yeah, cool. Um, and, and on a side note, one of the things your your players could discover is that this has happened before. Ah. You know, just really super long time ago mm -hmm. and, and kind of uncovers some lore hidden in some sort of festival or something that, that's completely lost the original meaning. I like it. There's an entire population hiding. <laughs> yes. All right. Mitch. Yeah, yep. Mitch. Number three. All right. My number three is called Champions Island. And I had this idea for this Central Park sized island that resides in the center of a large city. And all around it, there's this grand stadium seating. And these adventurers, when you come into the city, they can engage in dangerous events against 
captured monsters to try and win fame and fortune. So, I, I mean, I have to, like, while I was thinking about this, Hunger Games really popped in my mind as, like, inspiration for this. And, and really, you could go as, like, quote-unquote lighthearted as, you're fighting evil monsters to adventurers dropped in and fighting other adventurers. Like, it could go into, a, like, it's a really dark city that has just terrible murder games that you sign up for. Maybe you're captured and you're thrown into this and you take part in champion Island. Yeah. Kind of like the philosophy with the Coliseum, but just take it to a whole societal level. It's terrifying. It's also terrifying, especially with the idea of being trapped in that system. And then even potentially going back to what do your players want? They might enjoy what they have found and that become the new life that they lead and figuring out how to sustain that system. Uh, like I'm yeah. I'm thinking right off the cuff here as I'm saying this but like you could even using wizards in this city make it a Fortnite slash PUBG type of style where they're creating this magical acid like rain barrier that just keeps drawing you further in further in closer to the remaining contestants or monsters or whatever it is that if you if you're caught outside of this storm you're doomed. I need you to edit all of that out, and I need us to start a Kickstarter right now for a Fortnite tabletop RPG, RPG that is called Fortnite. There we go. Oh my gosh. It's too good. It would make bank. Every middle schooler would be stealing their parents' credit cards. <laughs> we don't condone that. Actually, we do condone it. You do you. Also, we are on to our number twos. Josh. Number two, I ent- I have a, a dual title. Uh, it's either Framed or Dead Dwarf. And uh, the basic premise is uh, it's super late at night. You kind of check in at an inn in a moderate-sized town, something like that. Could be even a large town. You kind of like had a reservation or something like that, or you, you know, get the key. You stumble up to your room. It's late at night. You open the door, and there's a dead dwarf in the middle of your room. No explanation, no nothing. It's no just refund. No refund, definitely no <laughs> refund. And you are foot in the cleaning bill. But it's kind of a murder mystery, and you, you, you kind of are getting framed for a murder. Because here's this dwarf in your room, dead. You know, players can figure out, like, how to deal with like the law they could try to hide the body they, they have to then investigate to figure out what's going on nothing draws suspicion away from you than hiding a dead body <laughs> <laughs> you know but it, it's it's one of those kind of murder she wrote um murder she wrote there are a thousand police dramas on television <laughs> law and order law you and can order, tell SBU, what i've been watching lately so Trent, there there we go Rockford but, files no murder let's go wrote. for murder she wrote <laughs> Love it. So, you know, uh, but, you know, dead dwarf, you're getting framed. Your party's getting framed for killing this guy. Yo, know, what do you do? Constantly avoiding the detective Angela Lansbury. <laughs> Go. <laughs> I mean, what if your weapon went missing a couple days earlier and you find that dead dwarf and your sword is sticking out of his chest? Like, you, you're hit with, do we hide the body? This is, we don't want to hide the body, but do we go and get... The town's guard, this doesn't look good for us. What do we have to do here? I like a scenario where you have just a jerk player who is a cleric, and they're like, oh, just bring him back to life. 
The end. Resurrection. I like it. Matt, what is your number two? All right. So I will preface this with the statement Uh that it's sort of, it's kind of for lighthearted players. So if it's a little, if you're a serious group, it's maybe not the best recommendation, but one of the funnest like little mini story arcs I had when I was playing with my D&D club at the high school that I work at was called Let's Plan a Party. And essentially (laughs) what it was is I had a little bit of filler time that I needed before like the final battle, uh, before wrapping up the whole school year. So I'm like, all right, you guys are going to plan a party. Who do you want to invite? And it just erupted into this inviting old NPCs Mm. back. And then I'm like, well, what's at the party? And then they're like, well, we need a band. And I'm like, okay, how much are you willing to pay for a band? And someone's like, I don't know, a thousand gold pieces. I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys get the best band in the world because that is a ton of money. And they're talking about the food and the decorations. And it was crazy just how de- like detail-oriented this whole campaign or this whole little mini session became because the kids were so engrossed into adding so much dimension to essentially what what was like sort of like a clip show of Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) So I would say just set the premise of, hey, you guys have to have a party. Who are you going to invite? If your players don't like it that way, you could do it at, like you could approach it in a different way and say, hey, this king wants you to plan this party for him. This demon lord wants you to plan a party for him. And then it's all about planning this perfect party because maybe with the royalty or the demon lord, there are consequences of, well, if this party is not good, then you will die. So that's amazing. And I've had, I've used it to literally the same effect of how excited my players were because they took over a layer or level in the dungeon they're in and then essentially had like a, dungeon warming party and then of course right right in the middle i attacked them what does one bring to a dungeon warming party i i like shackles manacles Uh, at least at least one or two torches okay it's warming we gotta you gotta warm it up i love the mention of getting a band because now i'm just seeing a blues brothers 3000 crossover event happening it's a crossover it's fantastic so for my number two As much as we've talked about stealing things before, I am carte blanche stealing this 100%, and I will give credit where credit is due. But uh, when I was in a castle, James Intracasso ran a game where he took the rise of Tiamat as if no players were involved, hmm. and Tiamat won. Hmm. And his entire campaign was set in a Faerun controlled by Tiamat. He even had uh, Whipstash, who's been on the show before, Ryan Hennessy, create a new map of Faerun for oh, the cool. game. And then they played yeah, they played through it five and eventually got to 20 by selling their souls to a demon, who then they killed and got their souls back. All that aside, just the concept of take something, you know, in Storm King's Thunder, Rise of Tiamat, out of the abyss and figure out what it looks like if the players weren't there or no players were there, rather. And what does the what does the world turn into? I think is a really interesting way, and in some way, to make a post apocalyptic situation that your players would have to fight through. So, there you I go. love that idea. Yeah, Josh and I have been playing 
the uh, Princes of the Apocalypse campaign for almost three years now, and I could see a really cool version where, oh yeah, they do summon the elemental evil, and then mm-hmm. what happens to society like 100 years later or 500 years later, and trying to cope with inside of that whole society then. Awesome. And and it would be interesting if, if you had, like Matt, if our players, and I might be giving you some bad ideas here, or good ideas, uh, if our players somehow were locked away for that for that hundred year span, and then all of a sudden woke up again, and boom, it's a hundred years later, and the elemental evils had taken over, and like you go back to the rookery, and it's it's gone. You know, the rookery being our. If I could lock all your player characters away forever, that would bring <laughs> so much joy to my life. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh. I love you guys. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. All right, Mitch, number two. And number two, I've entitled Underworld. And so this is like a world. Underworld? <laughs> no, under space. Tight leather pants. World or dash world. Uh, kind of like, kinda like okay. Neil, you just brought up like this world altering event that changes like a homebrew world. I imagine there's either a magical, scientific, um, or natural disaster that completely devastates the entire surface of the material world or the planet. It's dangerous. Perhaps it's unlivable conditions. And this forces the residents of the surface world who survived the beginning of this to retreat to the Underdark which means that they're one invading other people's territory. They're fighting to survive in this new world and they're having to completely change their way of life. You can set a whole entire campaign built in this new world. And then I also had the thought of, well, what if like you could kind of survive for a certain amount of time on the surface? Like, and so you could even have like hunting parties that go onto the surface to recover old artifacts but it's just super dangerous up there super terrifying uh nothing grows just a horrifying surface world now uh, 12 monkeys feel i like mm. it mm. yeah Ugh. it's just yeah it, we're getting dark we, we were super light in the beginning and now we're just getting darker, and <laughs> all, darker. Right, all right my my I, I got one it's it's pretty light it's okay, pretty light this is it's your I, number one yeah this is my number Bring one it. and uh oh I went, when Matt, when you did your number five, I was like, oh man, you know, kind of, kind of a crossover, but, uh, actually, uh, in this case, you're the, you and the party members are the ones doing the chasing. This is called chicken run. <laughs> and so this is based off of, uh, you and your party members are sitting around a tavern or someplace you're doing something. Um, and in, in, in my imagination, you're playing, uh, kind of an in-game game of, you know, business, the staff meeting, which is my take on Magic the Gathering. Um, I actually have a group of people who, who play, who kind of their characters play that within the game. Uh, super, super fun. And uh, you have a chicken walk in, hops on the table, grabs a card, and takes off running. And, oh no, it's Dave the inept intern with, you know, trample paperwork something something and and it's your your most valuable card you take off after it and the party follows and you chase this chicken throughout the town and you're just running and i don't know if any of you all have t- chased chickens before but they're fast yeah, little suckers 
They are fast, mm-hmm. and uh, you're jumping over stuff, and the chicken can, you know, it passes underneath carts and stuff, like no tomorrow, it gets uh, through like small little cracks, and you gotta, you gotta chase it, and uh, you can make it several rounds. Um, if people fail, like initiative orders, they can either drop out or they fall further behind, or not initiative orders, uh, dexterity saving throws, or... You know, whatever you throw at them, you know, they drop further and farther behind or they drop out completely. But you're trying to catch this chicken. So there you go. Chicken run. I'm so happy that your number one is chasing a chicken through a town. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I don't know how you were describing it, um, like in your mind, how it uh, like I imagine when you were saying this chicken picks up a card. Uh, it picks it up with its beak and runs off. I literally imagine oh, yeah. like, an intelligent chicken coming up and like picking it up with its feathers and then holding it up and running off into the night. <laughs> you know, if that if that works, maybe it's something polymorphed into a chick. Who knows? But uh, you know, I've just you know, if you want something lighthearted and stuff, I mean, ch- you know, chase a chicken. You know, chase a chicken mm-hmm. through the town. It's it's great. Now, what's the equivalent of the black lotus in your fake? Magic the Gathering staff meeting the board meeting game. Uh, uh, competent Xerox machine. Competent Xerox. You know what? It's a really overplayed card. I mean, to get all that mana for free <laughs> by playing that Xerox machine, is it really <laughs> broke the game. All I can say is I hope that this does not take place in Hyrule because if it does, it's going to end in death. I think that's a really good consequence, though, because I'm sure there's a wizard who would think, all right, I'll just use magic missile, and then you shoot the chicken, and oh, wow, you just get mauled by chickens. (laughs) So you have to solve the problem with (laughs) nonviolence. Or just go to another area and come back. But (laughs) that too. (laughs) This also works. Yep. Matt, what is your number one? Okay, well, going on the wacky theme, it is called, oh, great. Now we own a bugbear. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic title. Oh, man. So basically, I feel like it has, it dips a little bit into Josh's Aunt Minerva, who is, who sent you a type of box and then you get sucked into it. But basically, you get willed things that you don't necessarily want. So, for example, you have a mysterious relative who died and this bugbear was their butler and now this butler works for you or maybe you inherit an owl bear but then you inherit an owl bear like every week for like four years so you're just like i have all these owl bears like what am i going to do with all these owl bears and then you have some sort of scenario where you're trying to solve this mystery that all relates to this fact that you have been willed Things that you don't want. So, so great. Now I own a bugbear. I guess you can't own a bugbear because it's a person and they're humanoid. But now a bugbear works for me. Might be a better explanation for it. It's a it's a Alfred um, becoming the butler for Bruce Wayne scenario when he was the butler for his parents. That's that's what we're going for here. I uh, I totally had this whole description of you're inheriting things that you don't want. I'm thinking of that office Christmas episode where Andy is uh, giving Aaron the 12 days of Christmas and it's pretty much all birds that attack her the entire time. (laughs) That's all I could think of. (laughs) Yeah. 
that's a good inspiration for your own variation of this story arc. <laughs> that's amazing. Because you can come up with so many ideas. And I also like hitting the party with like the most inopportune times, no matter where they are in the world, with like, boom, here's another owlbear. No. Singing telegram. It's it's for you. Oh, great. Another owlbear. Uh, The middle of this fancy dinner party. Well. Yeah. So how are you going to compete with that? Uh, by entitling mine Taxidermy Terror. Oh, oh gosh. shoot. That's <laughs> awesome. So what if we took Mitch's idea of a town where people came back, but what if Uh-oh. instead we turned it up to 11 where everything came back? <laughs> like death stopped happening and it got reversed, which is a big problem, but I really wanted to focus on the idea of taxidermy going sideways. If you think about that tavern where they've got the red dragon head, it's burnt down. If you think about the inn who has a mind flayer head, it's been taking over. And then everyone takes a picture with that Umber Hulk. Now they're dead and it's rampaging in the world. So my main focus is that all things that have been taxidermied have now come back to life and are terrorizing the entire world. Oh my, can you, can you imagine fantasy Cabela's at that moment? Oh God. Oh, terrifying i'm gonna do a a a three crossover event where one you have we start off with josh's chasing the chicken you get that chicken you catch him you kill it you take that card back you turn your back and then you hear look back around the chicken is standing up again because this happened at the exact moment that you killed that chicken and then you go to matt's last idea of you got thousands of owl bears. It got to the point where you just started killing the owl bears for meat, throwing them in a pit. All of a sudden, thousands of owl bears are coming back up from the ground into oh, this karmic town. justice. <laughs> <laughs> I oh like my. this idea that you run it like so. I like this idea where you accidentally run into like a natural history museum, and then the <gasps> mastodon is attacking oh, you, man. and then. <laughs> And then you're even like, I'll be, I'll be safe in the the small mammals section of the museum, but there's just these little zombie squirrels and gerbils and so stuff many badgers. Are, yeah, so many badgers, a zombie badger. Oh, endless this, possibilities. Yeah, this reminds me of those like classic '80s horror slash comedy flicks where it's just mm. ridiculous horror stuff thrown into a, a movie. Because, I mean, Neil, you pointed out, like, that uh, the Mind Flayer taxidermied head, like, is on the wall of, like, the tavern and now. And I'm picturing, like, this this Mind Flayer's head on a on the bartender's head, and behind it is that plaque that it's stuck to, and now the bartender is mm. just walking around, and he's, like, controlling his entire body ridiculous horrifying hilarious all tied up into one somewhere bruce campbell makes a cameo appearance a hundred percent that's a great number one but we've got one left mitch what do you got so mine is called dungeons of the gods and so this is another world that's been affected and so things change because of it it's takes place in a world where all of the gods have fallen. They've all ceased to exist. They've all died, whether it's some mysterious event or whether it's some God's war and they all completely died off in this God's war. But I imagine that their corpses, these huge deities, their corpses now scatter 
are scattered across the material plane. And if you think of, I got this inspiration from the Celestials in the Marvel comics and the MCU, where you have like nowhere that takes place in the head of a Celestial, these corpses of these gods serve as dungeon crawls uh, for oh, cool. adventurers in this new oh, world where you enter into the corpses and imagine the monsters that are mutated from the blood of fallen gods that are from this. Maybe maybe like the heart of a god is like a powerful artifact and each god's heart is somewhat different, but you could have like numerous dungeon crawls through different gods that have fallen in this world. No, I, I, I love that. I've, I've seen a couple maps where a cave was a god's skull or a giant's skull, and it, it, it formed into that. Uh, and then you, you delve down, or a society has made their, their home and their city within it. Yeah. I also, I also got this image, and feel free to cut this out, but like, you know, you got a, a player walking in, you know, it's, oh, it used yeah. to be the nasal cavity. And you pick up a rock and and you know it's the skull and things like that and you just, and you I got your nose, and you just walk <laughs> off with it. That's amazing. I I don't know. Why well, this is a family friendly podcast network, Josh? Get off the show. <laughs> <laughs> Why would um, we cut that out? But no, yeah, I love I, that idea. That's great. <laughs> yeah, and I think that the lore of the universe that you can build around this concept of going into different i guess god dungeons i think you can like reveal the history of this world by exploring you know each of these different places and i think that's just a really cool narrative technique agreed but that's it we've done it we've done top fives four twenty mm-hmm. math so hopefully you guys have enjoyed all 20 of these ideas that added, added up 20 ideas for you to throw into your own home brew campaigns. Let us know if you use these. We love to hear uh, when you the listeners go, oh man, I totally had a chicken chase in my last campaign because of that number one. That was fantastic. Let us know. If you would like to get in touch with our two guests for this episode, Josh, Matt, where can they find more about your podcast? Where can they get in touch with you guys at? Alrighty, yeah, uh, you can find our podcast on iTunes as well as Google Play. Just search Detentions and Dragons. You can contact me at Professor Olaf on Twitter. You can send us an email at detentionsanddragons at gmail.com or check out our Facebook page, Detention and Dragons. Yeah, and we have a lot of episodes for all different types of listeners, teacher DMs, new DMs, people who just like homebrewed items and we have episodes that it's just like two guys telling about stories about playing Dungeons and Dragons. That's pretty fun. So we have a lot to offer all types of people. And with that, let's head to the mailbag of holding. But they've been asking for their mail on a daily basis. It's all they're talking about up there. That right there is the mail. Now let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail for you all day, okay? Well, here for another mailbag of holding, the place where we talk about ideas, stories, and questions from you, the listener. Neil, we have a mailbag today from 
DM Kenny P. And Kenny P. writes in, he's a new DM, and he has a question for us. He's hoping that we could answer this question. It's a specific case about one of his players. Now, I'll be honest, I had to reread this a couple times after reading this sentence because I was just so confused slash blown away. Yes. But here we go. Let's talk about it. They're all words <laughs> that I recognize, but when they were put yes. in this exact configuration, I had many, many questions myself. Is this what I am actually reading? And the answer is yes. So he says, with one of his players, he seems to be very adamant on playing either in part or in whole the campaign as a door, meaning his body has turned into the state of a door, his soul has been moved from his regular body to a door, etc. And he says, as a first-time DM, I generally just don't know how to have the situation turn out and have insisted on him changing his mind to potentially a puppet or some other object that can move on its own as opposed to a plank of wood with a handle on each side that the other players will have to carry around for all of their adventures. Uh, so obviously, DM Kenny P is just kind of worried that this this goofy idea might not turn out well. This player is not going to have any sort of combat abilities. They're a door, a literal door. So Neil, like, where do you come from when you have this this player's at your table? What are your thoughts? What are your solutions? What is your advice to DM Kenny P? Uh, I think my first thought is why? Uh, and you know, and I, I, I say that jokingly, but I mean, I think that is also the root of what you want to do in this scenario mm-hmm. is figure out what the motivation is hmm. that this person wants to be a door. And I think that in figuring, I mean, really getting to the heart of that, because one, it's gonna, it's, it has to be gold, like it's just <laughs> mining for gold and potentially figuring out alternatives for it. But yeah, what is your first thoughts? Because I have an idea about a way that this could be approached. So I I definitely think you're right. I think you want to talk it over with your players. And I think you want to be 100% honest with that player about your reservations. Like, do you realize we're going, like, I'm planning on doing this campaign for such and such a length. You just want to be a door for this entire time. Isn't battle going to be boring for you? I'm not going to just say no battle this this night because I want to cater to my player who has chosen to be a door. Is this going to get old? And so I'd be very honest and open about those reservations and maybe that'd bring reservations to the player's mind. But in the end, I would say if this player wants to be a door, that this is something that maybe you can just embrace and maybe they can embrace and it could be an amazing time and a hilarious time. To me, I think it would work way better in a shorter adventure or a one shot, but there are some players out there who might be able to embrace this and make this a campaign long, fantastic adventure. But I do think that it's important that that player is able to go. Yes, I understand what it is that I am signing up willingly to do here. Yeah, and so the next thought I would have is, or I guess the next big question, and then I'll make some assumptions, is if they are just truly a door as if it is an entryway to a room or a, some other thing, and there's nothing more behind it, yes, it's going to be very difficult. It it just is. Now, my thought with that, though, 
is what if it was an animated object, hmm. which then you can start to easily, in my mind, get into reskinning certain races. There's no reason why you couldn't have them be a Warforged, but they're actually a door. Because then you can still have mechanical reasons. And like you probably won't tap into all of the mechanical things, but at least you have a mechanical framework, which is funny to say because this person wants to be a door. <laughs> but you have the framing around this door being a Warforged, and then they can act and be a door. Also, how hilarious is it to be like, okay, we're going to find these goblins. Steve, go stand in the middle. They're going to come to you as a door because they got a lot of questions. Like, why is there a door in the middle of the woods? And then, boom, you spring your trap on these goblins. Which is dropping the door on top of the goblins. Wham! But I think yep. I think you're right that in the end, it is up to him as a DM if he says no. That is okay for him as the DM to say no. Yes, in role-playing the rule of yes end is a really great thing to grasp onto. But in the end, there might be some things that as a DM you say no to. But I think, Neil, you are totally right with this idea of, yeah, you can say no, but instead of yes end, you can say no, but no, but what if we did some other thing that maybe fills this desire but also doesn't have as many problems? Like you said, Neil, like a animated object or a warforged something along these lines might fulfill that player's desire but hopefully that answers your question kenny uh hopefully for any other listeners out there who may have a player that wants to be a door this answers that question that's been burning in your soul forever so thank you so much kenny for writing in yes thank you so so very much for sharing this with us well that's it we've done it mm -hmm. we have recorded another top fives episode i hope that you have enjoyed now you have all these other ideas to start new campaigns and new adventures we hope that you have enjoyed them if you would like to get in touch with us if you'd like to shoot us an email and tell us about a top five that you have perhaps neil where can they reach us at as always you can head on over and email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com and of course if you like this episode or any of the other ones we've done and see fit head on over to itunes where you can give us a five-star review which we will read on air you can follow us on twitter at dms underscore block that's at dms block and you can like our facebook page both of those places are wonderful places to go if you want updates about the show we have a Patreon member shout-out of the week, and this week's Patreon member shout-out goes to... Scott, Scott Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald! Yes, and Scott. Thank you so much, Scott, for your support of our shows uh, and for being a what kind of dragon, Neil? Scott is a silver dragon and tearing up the skies with all of their glory. So thanks again, Scott. The Dungeon Masters Block is a proud part of the Block Party Podcast Network. Check out other shows like We're So Bad at Adventuring, The GM Showcase, and Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, and more. But that's it for this episode. So tune in next time to hear us talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all other people at the table. I'm DM Neil. Good night. Good luck. And keep on dungeon mastering. Dungeon Master Block.
I'm recording. I'm recording. And that noise is oh. there. <laughs> we want to hear the secrets of your... <laughs> the secrets... That's awesome. Or want to... Or, I, can't, I can't stop laughing. This is just like, oh, I'll finally know what they're saying. All right, Neil. Whenever you're ready. Uh, How do I do this podcasting? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Welcome back to Whelmed, the Young Justice. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> the... <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> oh, wait. Which is funny because I'm not actually on that yeah. one very often. Um, and that's not their intro. The <laughs> That was amazing. Welcome to Bloopers. Oh, Joe! And I'm Matt Keel from Detentions and... <laughs> I don't know my What's own podcast. What's my podcast? <laughs> Come on, Matt. Hi, I'm Matt Keel from the DMs block. I'm now in charge of this podcast. So, all right, <laughs> oh, Neil. No. What's the new schedule? Away. All right. That's fine. You can edit all you oh, want to. Never mind. I changed my mind. I changed my mind. So, sorry. Sorry about that. Scott Gerald Neil. That's really interesting. No. Goodbye.